0: Welcome to the Social Sex Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Bex Caputo. Right now, I work as a curator for Make Love Not Porn, and I've been a sex educator for most of my adult life, which means I've had countless fascinating and insightful conversations with sexuality professionals from around the globe. These days, some of the conversations I enjoy most are the ones I have with people who aren't necessarily practiced at talking about sex every day. I adore the opportunity to hear about their beliefs and their questions, to problem solve alongside them and brainstorm new avenues of pleasure for them to explore. I've partnered with Make Love Not Porn, the world's first social sex video sharing platform, to create this podcast, a space to have and share more of these important conversations, to learn what great real world sex can look like and how we can all have more of it. To get started, I mean, obviously we met through Make Love Not Porn. I'm curious if you could tell me a little bit about how you heard about it and how you decided to start sharing because that must have been kind of a big leap.
1: <laughs> oh, well, my husband and I are very open-minded with our sexuality, so I struggled being a wife with all these naughty thoughts about other men. So, mm-hmm. he he's coming from a very progressive family where sexuality was openly discussed and encouraged. There were no taboos. His parents had all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds come over. So he was very comfortable with his sexuality and he saw that I struggled. And so he offered to explore, explore fantasies, explore those Mm -hmm. thoughts, those naughty thoughts that I felt so ashamed of. And so we signed up for a swinger site and I just Mm -hmm. really had fun chatting with a bunch of different guys. My husband was next to me and he encouraged me to really claim my slutty side Mm -hmm. (laughs) it it was so amazing to have it's still so amazing to have this kind of connection that allows this exploration to happen so the the swinger site that was fun we had a few meet few meetings and stuff but i wanted Mm -hmm. to i don't know just make videos and not not necessarily meet up with people all Mm -hmm. the time it's just like i don't know so much more fun to <laughs> make the videos with my husband and have a bunch of people watch
0: and drop yeah.
1: on it, you know?
0: Yeah, and, for sure.
1: Yeah. And so I, I did my research. I saw online that there were a few sites um, directed towards couples, but mm-hmm. Make Love Not Porn was the one that stood out the most because of its philosophy um, something that we're both so passionate about also and help we were the couple that all of our other friends look towards for advice, sex mm-hmm. advice and, and marriage advice. So mm-hmm. when I came upon Make Love Not Foreign's mission, I just knew this is it. This is the place where I will share my sexuality with the whole world and hope that it could help people or or just show people how to let go and claim their slutty side and claim their sexuality and that it can happen in a marriage and be very fulfilling.
0: Oh, I love that. (laughs) One thing that really stood out for me is the way you talked about how like it felt wrong to want these things as a wife, which Mm -hmm. like implies to me that that like when you were single or at least unmarried, yeah, it felt like there was less shame around this. But definitely
1: so easy to be single and play around with people. And at least for me, it it wasn't Mm -hmm. a difficult thing at all. But as soon as I got married, I felt like, oh, I have to shut that side down of me. That can't exist anymore.
0: That's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like wife is this little box that you're now like, well, we we had the wedding. I have to climb into this and and live out this exact path rather than Mm -hmm. like acknowledging that you still enjoy these things that didn't turn off like a light switch.
1: Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of trauma that I had no idea was linked to that. And Mm -hmm. for a time I was really desperate even for affection from all just different men, including my husband. And so we actually worked through those traumas together through sexual healing. And I found out in the end that I'm still slut in the end, but I'm no longer using affection or sex to replace love or just think that I could get love from other people in that way. Sometimes sex is just playful and it doesn't mean much. And there's, you know, very passionate, meaningful sex and everything else can ex- exist on that spectrum. And now I know how to enjoy all of it without getting too attached to, to the outcome or just identifying with that and feeling like my confidence has to come from that. So it's just so much more liberating now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really (laughs) relate to a lot of what you're saying there Mm. um, especially around things of like self-worth needing to come Mm -hmm. from your sexuality or it can seem like such a tangible affirmation almost like ah this person has sex with me I must be valuable they want to have sex with me that like it can feel so clear but I think when you unpack a lot of that stuff and manage to find that value through other connections, sex can be just fun. And Mm -hmm. it can mean all of these other things once Mm -hmm. you like, I don't know, really look at what you're going to sex for, like, why you're craving it.
1: Yeah, be very clear with yourself about your intentions.
0: And it must have been so powerful to be able to explore that with a partner, like the the Mm -hmm. safety and stability that must have come with like, having someone to do that with you must have been really great.
1: Oof, yes. There were many, many intense moments, that's for sure. Many times Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would make it through, but it has been one of the hinges that really transformed our relationship, that through this huge obstacle, my husband and I were able to get through it together and see that, oh, it's possible to Mm -hmm. be fully accepting of my sexuality just the way I am. You know, it's just another... Thing that made me see, oh, I am loved for who I am. I don't have to be different. I don't have to sacrifice my sexuality to be lovable.
0: Yeah, that's that's really really powerful. One of the things you mentioned in this, like exploring this slutty side, you talked about being an exhibitionist. Surprisingly, not everyone who shares their real world sex on our site identifies that way. But I wonder if you okay. could talk to me a little bit about what resonates with that word for you, and and what you find hot about. Being an exhibitionist?
1: Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. Where do I start? I think the best anecdote would be I go to this organic food store nearby and I flirt with one of the employees there. Some of my followers on Twitter will know about this. (laughs) And one day I just, yeah, we, we friended each other on Facebook and I kind of started flirting with him there. And one thing led to another. And I did a a video call with him and just like danced and mm-hmm. <laughs> played with my toy and made him come. And it was just so exhilarating. And it was so exciting. My husband was watching the whole thing and he saw how much I loved it. And he encouraged me to keep trying different things. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so yeah. um Then, you know, we, we take a, a nature walk every day. So there's the countryside that's not too far. And so it's, it offered a very, low key playground to play with exhibitionism yeah it just it was fun to just figure out like the outfit that I'd wear most of the time I'm wearing a mini skirt if I'm doing something exhibitionist and then like my husband will he's really playful with it like the drive over to the countryside even he'll just tell me to bring my skirt up a little bit and have you know <laughs> truck drivers <laughs> take a look and and he would reflect back to me how much i liked it even though there was a part of me that was keeping myself back. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's it's not right. Or this is crazy. We're going to get in trouble. But then I would touch myself down there and I felt, oh, like I'm wet. This is really exciting to me, actually. My mm-hmm. body's saying it's exciting to me. So what's going on in my head? This is just not matching up. Mm-hmm. So then I started owning it more and more and more. And eventually, the first video I made for Make Love Not Porn, I realized – with the first few comments coming in, how exhilarating that was and how empowering it felt to be able to share my sexuality with the world and just have such positive feedback. And yes, there's this, that slutty side of me that just loves the attention and I can own it now without feeling bad about it. And it's just light and fun and sexy now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I just enjoy having my ego stroked for all <laughs> that. Is, like, sometimes it is as simple as, Hi, I'm yeah. great. Tell me I'm great. Thank you. But there's also got to be something really powerful, especially for this area of your life that you felt so much shame around, and t- mm-hmm. to have all of these people celebrating it. Yeah. And so I'm trans, I was raised as a woman, and I know, like, The experience of being sexualized by people when you don't want to be can be Mm -hmm. deeply unpleasant. But the thing that seems really powerful in the way you were talking about, you know, getting dressed up and having your outfits for this. And Mm -hmm. the way you film yourself for Make Love Not Porn is that you're controlling how the world is seeing and sexualizing you. And you're saying, this is how I feel super sexy. Uh Uh-huh and then putting that out into the world to be consumed. And that's something that I've always found really, really powerful about uh, filming myself and filming my partners. I love to film my partner and be like, hey, this is what you look like to me and let them see that. Because I think it's just, I don't know, a really fun way to share your point of view with yourself and watch the world celebrate it.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. yeah, there was a time when I hated all of the attention that I get in public. And it's mm-hmm. true that I didn't feel in control of it. It was like, as soon as I walked out the door, I would just get stares. And yes, mm. that's some kind of arrogant, maybe, you know, because people say, oh, you're you're so pretty. What are you complaining about? But it, it is very disturbing to get stared at by many men as you walk down the street. It's just it becomes and where I live, there's a lot of white people. So as an mm-hmm. Asian, it's like, ah, oh, exotic, you know, and I am that yes. Making those videos, yes, I, I think you're totally right. It was a way to, it is a way to reclaim the image that I have of myself that I'd like to emit to the world. And so nowadays when I go and take my walks and, and then look at me, it doesn't bother me like it used to at all. I just feel so empowered by what I'm mm-hmm. doing online that uh, it doesn't bother me anymore like i understand why people do that <laughs> i have a lot of compassion for people who who don't understand yeah or they're just like so enamored by what they see it's,
2: mm-hmm. it's not right
0: <laughs> <laughs> right cuz you this feels like an image that you've cultivated i i know for me it, like in my gender, looking at videos and things I make now, I'm like, look at me. I did all that on purpose. (laughs) Look at that. Look at me looking hot. (laughs) It's really cool. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So one of the other things you mentioned when we spoke earlier is you talked about how one of the most reliable ways for you to get off was to imagine a wild scenario. Mm -hmm. So I imagine fantasy seems like a really active part of your sex life. Is that something you do primarily alone or is that something you incorporate in your sex with your partner?
1: Oh, both, both. Mm. Yeah, just recently, my husband and I, we, he he's always provoking me. He's very, like I said, very playful. So he said, mm, I know you're thinking about other men. Let's see what, what else is there. Like what's on our, <laughs> you know? Um, and mm-hmm. so the other day he he told me to... He often tells me, just a part of our love session will be, Oh, I want, I'd like for you to lie down in front of me and caress yourself and think of mm-hmm. a really crazy scene with a bunch of men. Cause I know you like that. And I'll kind of look at him like, Oh, what? Are you sure? Even though we've been doing this for years, you know, I just mm-hmm. I feel a little bit hesitant. And I will slowly slip into the role of, Oh, yes, this is who I really am and it's okay, it's safe to be who I am. And I'll tell him, I'll narrate to him what I'm seeing. So it will start very slowly and I'll see the scene. Like recently it's uh, seeing a bunch of men around me in nature and just, I don't know, um, <laughs> group sex, you know, just out mm-hmm. in nature. I'll tell him all the details and he'll get hard listening to me and I'll, I see him, get more excited so it's like it excites me in return Mm -hmm. and sometimes it will just be me telling the story and i'm caressing myself he's caressing himself and it it will come we'll both come to that image Mm -hmm. you know
0: i love that and i think probably for some listeners that's gonna sound like more intimate and scary Mm -hmm. than having sex with a partner which I think is really fascinating. But I love that as like in my work in sex education, I spend a lot of time recommending people masturbate together or, or share their fantasies with each other just because no one knows how to get you off better than yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you've probably been doing this for a couple of years. Like you've probably got some practice mm-hmm. and, and you can learn so much just by learning the ways your partner touches themselves or the things they're thinking about when they do that.
1: Yeah. And there's so many things that you probably wouldn't want to actually experience in real life Mm -hmm. uh, that you can explore in totality in your imagination. That's why I love using my imagination is I don't have to figure out a a group of men who I trust enough to have that kind of experience with in real life. I can just assume in my mind that (laughs) uh, everyone respects me and maybe we, we could be, you know, friends or we've had a good conversation. And then get on with the act and, and feel more confident, yeah. You know, being, being in that situation. So yeah, there's certain things I'm, I'm not even sure if I would want in real life. I haven't had a, an experience with group sex with, you know, more than three, you know, I've had with three men. I've only had threesomes with um, mm-hmm. my husband, another man. So I'm not even sure if I would even like that in real life, but I'm definitely, I definitely want to try it. But who knows, maybe I won't actually like it. <laughs> so and, like, fantasies are a way to see
0: a little bit more like, oh, do,
1: would I really want that?
0: And, you know, see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I I think there are a lot of people out there who, like, discover a new fantasy about themselves. You know, they're they're scrolling their favorite erotica and they read a thing and they're like, oh, no, I'm into that. I didn't mm-hmm. know I was into that. Yeah. Oh, and and it suddenly becomes... Almost like a mandate. They're like, oh, now I have to live my whole life wanting to do these things, I guess. What do I? And you're right. Like the practicality, first of all, of just finding X amount of people who are into this thing and also into each other and also Mm -hmm. into you and also have the same free spot on their Google Calendar. Like (laughs) logistically, it can be complicated. And also, like emotionally or practically, like there are a lot of things in my head that are real hot to like think about and talk about that in practice, I probably wouldn't want to do. Like, honestly, it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Or like things that I've tried and didn't have fun with and still fantasize about because fantasizing Mm -hmm. about it is still hot, even Mm -hmm. if like that time I did it, eh, it didn't work out so well. Yeah, 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 totally. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that you use dirty talk and I've even used sexting as an opportunity to like scare quotes experience a thing or pretend to experience a thing Uh or like dip my toe into experiencing a thing Uh so you mentioned this earlier that you and your partner are the people who give the sex advice Mm -hmm. in your friend groups you're often the ones kind of starting these conversations and things is there one piece of sex advice that you find yourself coming back to a lot or that is like your favorite thing to share with people
1: it all just comes down to the basics of communication. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. educator will say, it's all about communication. It's all about speaking openly about what you'd like to try. What do you like? What don't you like? And then, you know, having fun with yourself solo to understand what your preferences are so that you can effectively communicate that to your partner. It is very tough to be so vulnerable, though, to other people, even to your own partner if you're unsure of yourself or you just have a lot of doubts, um, low self-esteem, like I've definitely been there. It's very hard to just even realize that you have these thoughts because there's a part of you that says, "Mm -mm, it's not safe to think those things. So just repress them. You might not even realize that they're there.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: yeah, the the advice is it would, it be wonderful. Everyone was so self-aware that they would Mm -hmm. understand what they like and what taboos that they feel ashamed of. And yeah, it's all about communication with the partner that you feel safe with. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think communication is such a like common core of sex advice and, and, and it's because it's so important, right? There's a reason we all come back to that. But I really like what you pointed out about this degree of self-awareness. And I often describe it as like a curiosity about your own turn-ons. Be actively curious about about yourself, because when I first started exploring sex education and and being curious around these things, everything I saw was communicating with people what you want. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot less about, well, what the fuck do I want? It is assumed that like we are expected to know what we desire and, and how to make that happen while living in a society that refuses to talk to us about it. Yeah. (laughs) Which makes it pretty hard to even learn. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful that I have a partner that made me come out of my shell. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. it's safe to tell me what's going on. And so that I think it, yeah. If people could work with a coach or someone they could feel comfortable with to explore those thoughts, then they could maybe become more aware of um, what they like, but, yeah, because you, yeah. could, you could try stuff on your own, but you might not feel safe with certain people and then regret it or something. But, I mean, that's life, too. <laughs> to would be more playful and experimental if you want to improve your sexuality.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, and you can explore through fantasy. And, and I don't think you ever know full stop everything that you like. hmm and I think it is also important to create space for continued learning about that, right? You know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, you could be well into your <laughs> adulthood and try something that you've been into for years and find out it's not your thing or find out that, wow, I've been doing this for a while, but turns out it was something I was only into with that one partner. Now I'm into a different thing in, in these other relationships, mm-hmm. like creating space for that to evolve.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're always evolving, anyway, so it makes sense yeah. that sexuality would follow.
0: Yeah, when you discover something interesting in yourself, like it, it sounds like it's been very important for your partner to kind of solicit these conversations and and help nudge you in that direction and ask you like really interesting questions about mm-hmm. these things have you ever discovered on your own that you were into a thing and and had to raise that conversation yourself? And do you have any like tips for starting that kind of like, Hey, I want to try this.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, well, I can only, yes. I can only speak from my perspective. Like in my twenties, I was just so such a rebel. So I I just did whatever I wanted. (laughs) I didn't Uh it. I was just so interested in meeting all kinds of different people from all walks Mm -hmm. of life. So I just want to meet people and get to know what their lifestyle is like. And mm-hmm. I found that uh, it was really fun to get to know people physically and emotionally. And when you, mm-hmm. when you sleep with someone and they've let you in into that private space, intimate space, then I found that people would open up more about their mm-hmm. life stories. I just went with it. I think my intuition just kind of guided me to different situations and it, they all worked out really well. And Mm -hmm. then I quickly got married after university. Then I had to, you know, mini shutdown of my sexuality. And that's when my husband said, you know, this is keeping our sexuality. I don't know. It's like restraining our sexuality. We need to talk about this. And that's when Mm -hmm. I started questioning things. And I began reading online about different sexualities, just how do people experience it? And, I would pay attention to my thoughts. Oh, when when do I feel triggered? Why does this upset me? Where where did that come from? And then if something piqued my curiosity, I'd bring it up to my husband and we would try it. And of course we talk about it, you know, nonstop and plan it out and talk about all of our fears or all of our, again, our preferences and mm-hmm. talk, 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 talk.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. It, and it sounds like, a lot of discovering new things to be into was just a process of experiencing a lot of things. Yeah. Which is definitely how I've explored things too. I often joke, uh, I'm very involved in the kink education world. Mm -hmm. And I often joke that sometimes I'll see a workshop on a schedule and be like, wow, I've never heard of that. But I bet you if I go, I'll be into it by the end. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes just learning enough about like, why people are excited about it and what's fun about it mm-hmm. has me like, huh, well, I wonder, well, maybe if I did it this way and can yeah. spark that curiosity.
1: Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's wonderful to just be curious. If you're mm-hmm. a naturally curious person, then I think naturally you'd be curious in bed and want to explore mm-hmm. all kinds of things.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I love the way you talked about just kind of noticing in your body
2: Mm-hmm. how
0: you reacted to these things, right? Noticing what things do turn you on and what things leave you feeling triggered or feeling uncomfortable. And like, mm-hmm. well, what what is, where is that tension? What is that coming from? Is that because I'm not into that thing or is it because I have some stuff I want to unpack and explore around that? And, and it's bringing up some other things. And I don't think culturally we tend to encourage that kind of, attunement with our bodies yeah, and just like the physical feelings of discomfort, right? Is it in the pit of your stomach or is it, you know, are your shoulders tight? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly.
1: Yeah, just being mindful of your body's reactions. Your body knows what it likes and what it doesn't in general if you let it, you know, if you get out of its way. So yeah, it's really important to stay grounded in our presence and Mm -hmm. let it speak to us.
0: Yeah, the number of times I will like notice something my body is doing, like oh, I'm sitting in this way, or like, huh, I'm like grinding my okay. teeth or something, and then I'm like, ah, I am stressed.
1: Yeah, that is yeah. A feeling. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> practice to have with oneself. Is just like checking in once in a while. Oh, am I feeling tension anywhere mm-hmm. in my shoulders or my stomach? Like you were saying, and oh, where could this be coming from? And uh, you know, strangely enough, if you do that just in your daily life, it could be not sexual, sexuality related, but it all plays in. It's like if, you, if you're not aware of how your body's reacting to stress throughout your day, then when it comes time to have sex with your partner, then you're, I mean, this is coming from experience. Like you're, You don't understand why you're not as, a, as aroused as you'd like to be, for example.
0: Right, because if you're shutting down your connection to your body around other negative emotions, you're making it harder to connect to it around the positive things, right? True. Yes. You need to learn how to feel your feelings, and that comes with feeling all of the feelings. Mm-hmm. As tough as it is, it is. yes. <laughs> right, that is a message to myself more than anyone else. And I'm <laughs> going to keep saying that until I learn and remember it. It's fine. <laughs> it's a lifelong work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One of the last things I wanted to touch on that kind of piqued my curiosity about our conversation before this is you mentioned that you were excited to start exploring more dominance, Mm -hmm. which I am also a person who came to kink on the more submissive side of the slash and found out sometimes I'm the boss. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would love to hear kind of what draws you towards that curiosity, like how you discovered it was something you wanted to explore.
1: Yeah, same thing with that kid, you know, the kid, mm-hmm. the 20-something at the supermarket, um, I realized that every time I came into the store, he would just be gaga over me. And I loved the attention. And every single gesture I made, he was just watching. Every single word I said, he was hanging on to it. And I didn't understand at that time why I liked it so much. I, I felt something. I felt being in control and it felt strangely good, but I didn't mm-hmm. understand more than that at the time. And then I talked to my husband about it, and he, I realized, oh yes, okay, there might there is a part of me that likes being in control. I'm I'm actually always trying to control my environment in daily life. It's a relief to be submissive to my husband, and that feels wonderful in itself. But there's also another part of me that certain men make that part of me come out the dominant side come out Mm -mm. and I feel like yeah I like being (laughs) worshipped I do myself as a goddess yeah Yeah. and it's very empowering that these men would do anything to please me so I started playing with that like every single time I go into the store I come with that intention okay I want to kind of play with this and see where it goes and every single time it was the same thing the guy was If I needed something, I'd ask him really politely, but kind of strictly. You know, Mm -hmm. he would practically run to run the (laughs) the store to get me the thing, and he seemed so pleased when he came back with it. And it was like he wanted more, so I just went with them. Like, okay, this is not something bad. This is actually giving someone pleasure. Mm -hmm. There's some, yeah, maybe there's something that I could uh, develop more here. So I haven't tried anything deeper than that. My husband prefers to be the dominant and I prefer, prefer to be submissive in the relationship. I think if he opened up more to the idea of being submissive, I would try it out on him. Mm-hmm. But for now, that's not the case. Yeah, it's more like it's men in the streets or um, just in in passing um, yeah, they're helping people are there who are already helping you for something, not mm-hmm. really sex, and they're like, oh, they're so happy to help you, and every time you come in, like it's it's an exciting moment for them. That's that's insane to me, and that's uh, I feel so grateful that people would want to to please me in that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking of a couple of things here. Uh-huh. First of all, I my own experience of dominance is very similar in that it came about when I met a person that I was like, Oh, I'm the boss. Like my current partner, we went on like a date and I was like, okay, so I'm in charge, I guess. Cool. Cool. Great. (laughs) Um, Because that's just the dynamic we're in and we switch. And sometimes they're the boss. Now we've been together for quite a while. It just felt natural in that relationship. Um, And our kink is also very service-oriented. So in the way that you talked about, it's all about being able to do things for each other. And service is also often talked about as a love language. Yes. But through kink, what feels so powerful for me as a dominant, and again, as someone who is socialized as a woman, I am able to ask for exactly what I want in exactly how I want it. Mm. And it doesn't even have to be sexual. Mm -hmm. Like in the way you talked about, I'm very particular about where my things go in, you know, about how I control my environment in the Mm -hmm. world. So maybe where things go in my room or how I prep my meals or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I can talk to my partner in a kink context and say, this is... Exactly how I need it done and not feel like weird and ashamed for being particular and not be like, hey, can you cut this for me? Like, however you need to, it's fine. Like, whatever. I can be like, can you cut this into half inch cubes for me? And know that not only will they do it, but they will feel so like proud of themselves while they're getting it done. And feel so fulfilled in that they are serving me and being good at their job and know that they want that specificity because they want to be good at it. (laughs) And it just it allows me to like recognize my needs and desires in a way that I never really did before this or felt comfortable articulating.
1: That's so beautiful. I'm so happy.
0: (laughs) Pink is great. I love it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) High five. Yes. As we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to like share or talk about?
1: I mean, the whole message of Make Love Not Porn just summons it up for me is Mm -hmm. find the courage, find the courage to be yourself and to claim your sexuality, whatever it looks like, because the world needs you to do that. The world would be so much more peaceful if everyone claimed their sexuality.
0: Oh, I love that. And I truly believe that as well. Um, <laughs> thank you so, so much for coming on here. If folks want to find your videos on Make Love Not Porn, and I know you mentioned your Twitter earlier, can you let them know what to search for those?
1: Yes, the videos on Make Love Not Porn is under yin yang tao. So yin yang and then T A O. And on Twitter, it's yin yang underscore tao. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Bex. It was a real pleasure.
0: It really was. (laughs) The Social Sex Revolution podcast is brought to you by Make Love Not Porn, the world's first and only user-generated, human-curated, social sex video-sharing platform. We're what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, the window you've always wanted onto how we all have sex in the real world. It's funny, messy, beautiful, awkward, comical, moving, inspiring. See for yourself why we're self-help for your sex life at makelovenotporn.tv. Okay, Arielle, welcome back to the Curation Corner. At some point, we'll probably have a pithy intro, but for now, that works. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure
2: um, to be here from
0: my bathroom. Yes, wonderful. (laughs) I I mean, I'm in a closet. We make do with what we have. (laughs) It's the only time in my life I say that. Anyway, so the listeners just listened to this like really great conversation that I got to have with Yin Yang Tao. And I know she started sharing videos after you kind of moved away from the curation side of the house, but I'm sure you've still seen a couple of the things she's shared. So I'm curious if any of those really stand out to you as like a favorite.
2: Well, one thing I really love about Ying Tao's like whole presence on Make Love Not Porn is I feel like she's always like trying new things continuously. And so, before mm-hmm. this conversation, I went back through and looked at all the videos she shared. And you know, even in the relatively short time that she's been sharing at Make Love Not Porn, I feel like we're still seeing different like sides of her. And so, I really enjoyed her 100 spanks video that yes. I watched. I thought Mm -hmm. that that was like so cute. And I thought it was also like a really like accessible point to kind of start experimenting with like impact play or kink for anyone kind of looking to do that. Love a spatula, truly love a DIY implementation of a (laughs) kinky tool. But for people who haven't maybe watched that video, it's her talking about how she has been kind of intrigued by you know, spanking or how she mm-hmm. her husband was like, you know, you get really turned on when I do this and how she kind of was like shying away from that and then just leaned into it in this video and received a hundred mm-hmm. spankings. And so it's like really cute. And she counts the whole time, which is really impressive oh. for mm-hmm. someone who doesn't understand what numbers are like myself and that she could <laughs> stay that focused. And he's just like teasing her with the spatula. And it's just like really cute. And I think also shows that like, you know, even if someone is really in tune with their sexuality, like I really think she is, there's always more to kind of experiment with or try or revisit. And I think that that video really shows that.
0: Yeah, and I love that you picked that video because if I remember correctly, I spoke to her uh, a couple weeks ago at this point, but I believe the end of the conversation, we talked a lot about how she was exploring dominance. So it's really fun to see that she kind of highlighted the other side of things there as well. And kind of in line with what she was talking about with Dominance, I also went back and like looked through her videos because she has so many that I enjoy. But one that I thought was particularly fun to highlight here is, I think it's called Back from a Grocery Run, but it is a video she did where she had worn a butt plug and like a tiny skirt and everything to the grocery store, which is just so fun in the context of after listening to this episode where she talks a lot about this crush she has on someone at the grocery store and how she's had like this fun flirtationship going on and everything. So it just adds like a whole other layer of context that makes that video really cute.
2: I love that. I like I feel like when Bex you and I worked at the sex shop, like people were always getting butt plugs to like wear out. And I like mm-hmm. love being like, who in this grocery store is wearing a butt plug right now? I don't know. Yin yin tao is. Yes amazing
0: I love that I think you're right we did see a lot of people for that because it is this fun kind of taboo slightly risky but like you're not going to get cut no one's checking your asshole like you're fine you're not (laughs) going to get caught but it feels edgy and it feels risky so it can be this fun like entry level point for things like that for people which I really enjoy also practically it's a great way to warm up if you're going to be having anal sex later
2: Yeah, totally. I feel like it's, like, a really, like, fun way for people to also bring that kind of, like, sex rush into kind of more mundane things, like grocery Mm -hmm. shopping or riding the subway. Like, I feel like it's, like, kind of, like, a clashing of, like, inner world, outer world that
0: could be, like, really alluring. Yeah, although I will say with the subway, you're familiar with the pure plug, I'm sure, that, like, heavy metal plug. There is a very distinctive clunk of the end of that plug hitting a subway seat that's just
2: (laughs) (laughs) i guess i guess i was picturing standing writing but yes that's a very fair point
0: (laughs) like it's fine if you sit down slowly but like the thing about wearing a plug for a long period of time is like you know it's in like you you kind of forget every once in a while and then you're reminded and that is just hell of a way to be reminded no one else knows what that sound is but gosh do you
2: (laughs) you're like that's my belt loop
0: <laughs> yep my very heavy metal belt loop this is fine
2: <laughs> i mean i feel like it could be like a carabiner you know there's other yeah. things it could be most people don't rush to think that's in their
0: ass <laughs> most people don't live my life i guess that's fair. <laughs> Um, But anyway, speaking of of trying new things, I thought it would be great because Yin Tao obviously is not the only person who has this experience. We've had a lot of folks come to make Love Not Porn as kind of a tool within their sexual exploration or a part of their sexual exploration or even just a way to document it. So I'm wondering if there's anyone who really stands out in your mind as also doing something similar.
2: Yeah, totally. Well, one couple that came to mind was Andre Lynn, who are Mm. so great. I know that they came to make love, they wrote a really great blog for us that I would recommend anyone reading, but to really, really summarize it very shortly, like they both grew up in a very repressive, religiously repressive community where they didn't have a lot of access to sexual education, sexual health, and grew up really internalizing like sex and shame as being somewhat synonymous. And they started sharing with Make Love Not Porn as a kind of like reclaiming tool for their sexuality Mm -hmm. and as a kind of way to really embrace that side of themselves as something that, you know, is pleasurable and not shameful. And I thought of them specifically because I follow them on Twitter and like, they are fully living like a nudist lifestyle. Um, I think, you know, to the best that. that they can be in, you know, life, but It's easier now. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's a really good point. But I thought that that just like fully leaning into, you know, nudity and embracing body positivity in this like very like full time way is something that's like really remarkable Mm -hmm. and something that I think is like really amazing to kind of swing from this extreme side of the pendulum to this other side.
0: Yeah, I love that. They're, They're one of the folks I thought of as well. And when I went back and looked through their videos, um, they actually had one, they each had submitted solo videos and both of them talked about how it was particularly vulnerable for them or, or like a series of exploration. But one of the quotes I loved from one of their backstories is she talked about... How masturbation was a thing she had just kind of ignored or avoided or not spent a lot of time on. And at this point, even in her adulthood, she was learning the importance of taking this time for me not only to understand what is enjoyable and brings me pleasure in sex, but also to prioritize time for this activity that is 100% about me and i thought that's really great and not a yeah a thing that people overlook about sex right they think about pleasure <laughs> as frivolous or you know an extra bonus if you have time for rather than like a core part of taking care of yourself and understanding yourself
2: yeah no i think that that's really apt and i think that they both you can see that they like really prioritize pleasure in like themselves and each other. And that's like really mm-hmm. crucial to like what it seems like their sexual dynamic is from you know outsiders looking in. And they just seem so like caring and like in tune with each other. I just I really like them. I also got to meet Andre yeah. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He was in New York and stopped by our office and like so nice, so sweet. And I also just wanted to shout out their like amazing editing skills and I how like know. beautiful their videos are um they're like stunning
0: no they really are that's one of the things i really love about their videos i think they were actually one of the first folks to blur their faces because of course you can be anonymous in your videos and folks do that in a lot of creative ways but i think they were some of the first folks i saw to actually go in with the editing and like blur their faces which is really nice because you get to see like they get to pull the camera back a little bit more than you would if you were just filming around faces
2: yeah i think that that's true i think that he's I think he like does video stuff like mm-hmm. professionally, but you can definitely tell that he's very comfortable with yeah. editing software. And I, there's her solo video. I think that they even blur the face in the mirror. It's like in front mm. of the mirror, which is very impressive to me as someone who yes. does not have those skills.
0: Sounds like magic to me. I don't know.
2: Exactly. <laughs> um,
0: it does remind me of Hierophant, though, who are also really, really great at editing their videos and submit really gorgeous videos. I'm going to talk about a solo video that Lizzie, one of the people in the couple, submitted. But they also have some really gorgeous couples videos as well. But recently, Lizzie has started sharing videos. I believe the first one is called Solo Notes, but it is her exploration of finding out what she desires from kind of, I think, the opposite way we hear a lot. Like, a lot of people come up with this shame in this religious programming, and she experienced has been really active in, like, the sex positive and those communities and very, you know, sexually active and open and communicative around these things and has realized that and i don't want to speak for her i'm going to really recommend you go and watch her intro video um, because there's a lot of nuance here but talks about the ways that that has kind of impacted her expectations for her own sexuality in a different way and now i think she's coming up on 30 and she's you know her sexuality is changing again and some things that sounded great don't sound so great anymore and she's trying to relearn what that looks like which is A really fascinating story and not entirely unrelatable
2: yeah that rings similarly true to me too we're just being there's an element of relatability i think that with so many people sex positivity can kind of seem like saying yes to so many things and then Mm -hmm. i think as you like kind of get further into it like so much about sex positivity is having like limits and saying Mm -hmm. no and knowing what to say no to but i feel like that kind of touches on this idea of this like sex positive sex curiosity like spectrum and how those things change and i feel Mm -hmm. like i feel like in so many ways being sex positive is like a commitment to engaging with Mm -hmm. sexuality and like with you know how that does happen but that's really interesting i I should watch that video i love all their other i've seen not all of their videos but a few others and again like beautifully cinematic like so Mm -hmm. stunning i really like them i think they have like really a good vibe
0: yeah no, I I super agree. I mean, I love a lot of the really candid videos on our site too and we have a great many of those, but there is a special place in my heart for the really gorgeously edited ones, mostly because it seems like magic to me and it's really impressive. But we have a whole library of God, it has been one of the it has been the busiest month in all of my time at Make Love Not Porn in curation as i'm recording this so we have a library of well over 1600 videos for you to go check out but definitely start with the ones we talked about here because they're some of my favorites thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of social sex revolution podcast for questions comments concerns or compliments or if you're interested in being a guest on the show you can drop us a line at podcast at makelovenotporn.com we'd love to hear from you I have been Bex Caputo. You can find me at bextalksex.com or on my other weekly podcast, The Dildorks, for dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating with sex journalist and my best friend, Kate Sloan. You can join the social sex revolution at makelovenotporn.tv to get inspired by how we all have sex in the real world. To see some goodies we've collected for you and to take advantage of a special offer just for podcast listeners, you can go to makelovenotporn.tv slash podcast. See you next week.